just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Started the show this morning talking about the Dana White broker deal to bring Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to the Raiders in the offseason that Brady joined the Buccaneers instead. We asked the question, did John Gruden stop Tom Brady from becoming a Raider? Uh, on Twitter, Michael said, yes, John had control over everything. Um, Dante said, yes, he clearly did. Rob Gronkowski was adamant and said that it was correct with the story and didn't deny it. Gruden dropped the ball. Uh, Fernando said, yes, he did. And it was Brady and Gronk in the blimp flying over Vegas. Thanks, Fernando. And Andy said, does Gruden get credit for two Super Bowls for Tampa Bay? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. I mean, we we talked about earlier. I let's go back and and say I want to know what you you said in the beginning because you believe some of it but not all of it. Okay, I there's absolutely truth that Tom Brady and or his agent talked to somebody at the Raiders about coming or and at UFC for the Raiders, Dana White or Mark Davis. I I do believe that Dana White was somehow involved. I do believe that Mark Davis at least at some point knew about this. And I do believe that John Gruden said no, no to this, right? Exactly. I believe those three key details. What I don't know if I believe or not is the phrase when Dana White says it was almost a done deal. Mm-hmm. What does he mean by almost a done deal? Does that mean that Tom Brady told Dana White, I'd love to play for the Raiders. And when it was presented to John Gruden, John Gruden said, nope, we're going to stick with Carr. Or does that mean Tom Brady and the Raiders had a contract drawn up, were ready to sign it, and John Gruden walked in and said, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't want to do this. I think it's the former. I don't think it got to the point where there was a contract drawn up. Because as Vic said, everyone knew what his price was. I mean, you didn't. if you drew up the contract, you knew what the price was, and you probably knew before the contract was drawn up, right? He probably said $25 million. And as Vic said... Gruden might have said, no, that's too much, especially for a guy who in the last two years we've seen on film doesn't look like himself and moved on from it. But I don't think there was a contract uh, drawn up ready to sign. Which to me is not like almost a done deal. That's just a, hey, would you be interested in Tom Brady coming and play for your team? Right. The owner saying, yeah. And John Gruden saying, no. No. Which is not an almost a done deal. Almost a done deal is John Gruden like was okay with it. And then changed his mind and was no longer okay with it. And if that happened, then I believe it was almost a done deal. But I don't know if I I don't know how far it got along here versus John Gruden just simply saying, No, eh, I'd rather have Derek Carr. At what point in the process did he say that? If we extrapolate out that the reason the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Buccaneers won two Super Bowls is John because Gruden. of John Both Gruden. Times. Does that make John Gruden the worst or the best? Player, like, personnel evaluator in the history of the sport, considering his excellent first-round choices and the fact he went, nah, that guy should go somewhere else. Oh, he's his second tenure with the Raiders. Listen, I don't, not a football historian. There have been bad teams for a long time. The Browns won, like, one game over the course of two seasons. His second tenure with the Raiders has to be one of the worst talent evaluation periods in terms of of drafting and evaluations. It was a complete disaster. Now, I shouldn't say complete disaster. They've gotten a few good players out of it. 
They did. I shouldn't say that. Okay, but but there's a point where it's like you can't be you can't be wrong about every pick. They were they were so wrong with the high high top decisions. Picks. Yes, Tom Brady or Derek Carr and all of their first round picks. Right? They were awful with that. They they actually did pretty well with the mid round picks. Yeah. and Renfro, finding Darren Crosby. On Darren the Waller? Ravens practice squad. Yeah, on the right? practice squad. They actually did a pretty good job with the stuff, like the medium and low-end stuff. Right. The high-end stuff. The stuff that wins you games. Awful. <laughs> Horrific. I mean, seriously. Like, they traded away their two best players to get all those draft picks and then missed on all of them. And then we're also now basically confirming to an extent, but John Gruden is now getting the full brunt of the blame from Dana White. That the reason Tom Brady was not a Las Vegas Raider is because of John Gruden. And we're sort of insinuating a little bit here that he chose Derek Carr over yes. Tom Brady. And then Brady threw 50 touchdowns and won the Super Bowl. That is as bad of a talent evaluation as the top end as you're ever going to get. It, it just cannot be worse than that. When you back up the Cleveland Furl, Jonathan Abram, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, Alex Leatherwood, Josh Jacobs picks with... Derek Carr over Tom Brady, that's, that's bad. That's as bad as it See, can be. all those you mentioned, this might sound crazy because of how Brady looked the last two oh, years. Oh, they're all worse. Yeah, I agree. I think Before they're all worse than the Brady Oh, decision. I agree. I, because at least Derek Carr is a good NFL quarterback. Right. Right. Gruden, yeah, right. Did, he didn't pick uh, Baker Mayfield or Drew Locke. Right? Over Tom Brady. Over Tom Brady. Right. He didn't say, I'm going to turn Drew Locke into a superstar. Derek Carr is a Nathan Peter is a good hit that did happen. Derek Carr is a good NFL quarterback, yes. right? All of his draft picks, like his high draft picks, like Josh Jacobs is a good NFL running back, but he, of all the high draft picks, he's probably the best one, right? I mean, Leatherwood can't, can't beat out Thayer Munford at the moment or something like that. Right? Like we know Cleveland Furl was a complete bust at four, right? We know Damon Arnett wasn't good on the field and was horrible off the field. We know what happened right? with Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs and then Jonathan Abram. Has yep. Somehow is still a starter. So maybe Jonathan Abram is the second best of those picks. But, like, Jonathan Abram has not been good. So, yeah, I mean, those... I, I agree with that point that choosing Carr over Brady, it sounds awful, right? But it's not as bad as the high-end picks he's Because made. they missed on so many right, of exactly. them. Right, exactly. It's not... If, if they had, and like... And they had so many right, of If them. they right. had just, like, oh, they missed on... They took Cleveland Furl, and that was, like, the big miss, but they were average on the rest of their first-round picks, you'd be like, okay, that sucks. People miss. But, yeah, But they missed all the time on they the high-end. They missed on every single one. And the bigger issue was to... Not only did they always miss, they almost always reached. They always like, brought yes. up character. Yes. Like, you go through those picks, like... Ruggs wasn't really a reach, right? You could argue they should have taken a different C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, but he was in the top three and they took him first. Like that wasn't a massive, that was maybe a minor reach. Furl was a massive reach. Leatherwood was a massive reach. Arnett was a massive reach. Abram was probably a small reach and Jacobs was maybe based on position. And they never reach. knew where to pick him. Like they could have picked, they could have picked Trayvon Morg in the first round, Alex Leatherwood in the second round, no one would have said anything. Right, we would have been like, yeah, yeah we, we'd like, still okay. be talking about Leatherwood's well, we'd still not be talking good about enough. how bad Leatherwood is. Right, we'd be like, we, we'd still would expect more from a second right. round yeah. pick. But, but it they be would not bad. have taken the grief that right. they did if they would have taken Trayvon Morg in, 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 the, in that first slot. Oh, man, John Gruden. And so, by the way, well, this is a very good point from Andy and Jared backing it up with the second one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have two Super Bowls. 
both of them are because of John Gruden, right? Uh, yeah. And but and and both at the expense of the Raiders. <laughs> they, they beat they beat him and won. Beat the Raiders. Beat him in the, the Raiders and won. And the large consensus after that game is that the Raiders did not change their offensive play calling enough that when they played John Gruden, it was like, oh, he knows exactly what they knew everything that was coming. So like. The Raiders were good enough to go to the Super Bowl, but they played the wrong team because Gruden played knew the wrong coach. Right. Gruden knew everything. So Gruden stole the Super Bowl from the Raiders to an extent. He got traded away. So part of that's on Al Davis, too. But then this one, not that the Raiders would have just won the Super Bowl because they got Tom Brady. It's very hard to win a Super Bowl. But the Buccaneers did. And we're sort of kind of led to believe here that, he if, John Gruden, Carr over Tom that if John Gruden was on board. Tom Brady, Tom Brady would have been a Raider. Now, again, so would have been so. So would have Gronk, Gronk Waller. Yeah, and well, Waller might not be there. But here's what here's and the other thing that happened with Tampa Bay after they got Brady is people were willing to go play for the Buccaneers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were able to sign more players, probably at cheaper than they could have gotten other places, because they were like, oh, oh my God, they would have kept Antonio Brown. <laughs> they would have. Mike Mayock would have been gone, and Antonio Brown would have still been on the roster. That whole cracker comment, Brady would have been like, he deserved it. We're keeping Antonio Brown. He's Antonio's going to stay with me in Summerlin for a while, because <laughs> we're going to work this out. So in, in reality, it's fair to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have two Super Bowls. Because of John Gruden. Because of John Gruden, and both have come at the expense, expense of the Raiders. Of the Raiders. That's incredible. That's a fair statement. And we're and we're basically two decades apart, right. right? From the first one and the second one. Which is incredible. That is an unbelievable thing that has now happened in the NFL with John Gruden giving Tampa two Super Bowls, helping Tampa win two Super Bowls, and it costing the Raiders one Super Bowl and then uh, we don't know. Right. We don't know what he would have uh, done. Probably a He still would have had team. to play behind that offensive right. line. Right. And he still yes. It's- and he still would have been in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. Right. So, you know, the Chiefs, they probably win the division or something like that, maybe. But that's the base. The, the Raiders would have been a playoff team, not seven and nine right. or whatever it was, right? They would have been a postseason. They would have been in the postseason, and Brady's good there. So maybe they would have went on a run. Won a game. Right. I mean, Tampa was, if I'm remembering, they were a wild card team when they won the yes. Super Bowl, right? And then last year, they actually won the division, but lost to the Rams. Right. So, yeah, they, they could have won as a wild card team. So, yes. Good job to John Gruden. Absolutely nailed it if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> they should put a statue up of they, Gruden. Well, they took him after his emails. They took him out of their, uh, their, their ring, like, of, ring, ring of, of Honor or whatever they call it in Tampa Bay. Dana White just got him back in the <laughs> Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. Coming up in, what do we want to say, 20, 25 minutes, we will have a pair of tickets to go see Luke Bryan at Resorts World. Uh, So if you would like to win some Luke Bryan tickets, stay tuned. You could win them right here. Bischoff's Briefs today, taking a look at UNLV basketball. They put out their non-conference schedule on Friday during the show. Our immediate reaction, not very good schedule. Um, I went through here over the weekend and sort of looked at this schedule a little more closely to try to figure out what the hell is going on here. 
Um, here are the teams UNLV plays if we're looking at Ken Palm ranking from last year. Obviously, teams can get better and worse from year to year, right? So the Ken Palm rankings from last year doesn't mean that's how good they're going right. to be this season, but it's still a pretty good frame for how good they're going to be, right? It's very unlikely a team that was 260 last gonna year. going to be 50. Right. Very unlikely. So the best team they're going to play based on last year's Ken Palm rank, San Francisco, 23rd. They were very good last year. UNLV played them and lost to them last season. The other two top 50 teams that UNLV will play are Washington State at 44 and Dayton at 45. And that is it for top 100 teams. They do not play anybody that finished between 50 and 100 last season. The next best team they will play is Southern Illinois at 125. The fifth best team on the schedule is Hawaii at 169. And then everybody else on the schedule 200. is 200 plus. Southern is 215, San Diego's 239, High Point 242, Southern Miss 341, Incarnate Word 353, and Life Pacific is an NAIA team. They will play one of Minnesota or Cal Baptist. If they play Minnesota, Minnesota was 109 last year. That's a potential top 100 team. If they play Cal Baptist instead, they were 225 last right. season. So big, they could add another really bad team or actually add another quality team depending on who they get in the second round of that Juan Capistrano tournament. So that could be quite a significant Juan. difference there. Um, so <laughs> San Juan Capistrano. San Juan Capistrano. Uh, yeah, Juan Capistrano is a place for the brewers. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's just it's a guy who owns an Italian deli. So last season, UNLV's non-conference strength of schedule wasn't that good. It only ranked 128th, their non-con strength of schedule. Last year, they played five top 100 teams, and three of them were actually in the top 30. This year's schedule is looking like three top 100 teams and maybe one in the top 30. Last year, they only played three teams outside the top 200 or that were non-Division one. This year, they'll play five and maybe six if they get Cal Baptist. They're not going to have a top 100 strength of schedule this year. It's just, it's not going to happen. They might not even be non-conference wise. They might be outside the top 200, right? But let me give you a positive spin on this because here's a comparison. Last year, Colorado State played 10 non-conference games, only 10. Five were against teams outside the top 200 or non-division one. They played something called Peru State. They only played one team in the top 30, and that was St. Mary's. They played numbers 49 and 50 in the Ken Palm. So basically, UNLV plays San Francisco, top 30, 45 and 44, Dayton and uh, um, blanket on the other team just a second ago, uh, Washington State. That's basically the same top end of the schedule that Colorado State played last season. Very similar to what UNLV is going to play. Colorado State's non-conference strength of schedule last year was 230th, right? Terrible strength of schedule. But here's my thought, or maybe I'm overthinking this, on what Kevin Kruger could be doing. Colorado State, despite that terrible non-conference strength of schedule, went to the NCAA tournament. They were a six seed. They got the highest seed in the Mountain West last year. There were two keys. One was winning. Colorado State won all 10 of their non-conference games. So if you, if you go undefeated, even if your strength of schedule is bad, it's still going to be a good thing. But the other key for Colorado State, blowouts. Last year, against those bad teams, they won games by 31, 29, 26, and 20. The way Ken Palm works and the way net rankings work, 
they factor in efficiency margins, which is a fancy way of looking at scoring margins. So it matters if you win by 30 versus if you win by five. Now, they Ken Palm has a garbage time factor. So, you know, if you're up by 30 in the last two minutes, none of that actually matters. But getting up by 30 in the first 35 minutes of the game does, in fact, matter. So, hypothetically, let's say UNLV, let's say they're supposed to beat Southern to open the season by 12 points, right? And they win by 20. And then they play Incarnate Word, and they're favored by 17. And they win by 27. And then they play High Point, and they're favored by 15. And they win by 26. UNLV will not have beaten a good team. Those are all three bad teams, but their metrics are going to go up because they were better than expected. They outperformed their expectation. And that could be a way Kevin Kruger is gaming the system, right? And if he is, I absolutely love that. If he looked at this... you truly believe that's what it is? That's the only way... There's two ways this schedule makes sense. Number one... Kevin Kruger thinks his team is going to suck. So he built a schedule to where they will not lose. I don't think that's the case. For they where they won't go four and eight. Right. The only other way this schedule makes sense is if Kevin Kruger is trying to basically manipulate the net rankings and Ken Palm rankings. That's the only way it makes sense to me. Unless he thinks his team sucks. If he thinks his team sucks, he built a bad schedule because he didn't want to go four and eight, right? I could buy that, absolutely. But if he thinks his team is good, if he thinks his team is better than last year or thinks his team has any shot at the NCAA tournament, this is a pathetic schedule unless he's trying to game the system. If he's trying by to win manipulate... games by 25 right. and 27. Because if you walk in and... Listen, if they walk in and beat High Point or Incarnate Word or Southern Miss, all these awful teams, if they walk in and beat them by 35 points, their, their numbers are going up because they're going to be favored in those games by... 12, 15, uh, yeah. 18, something along those lines. And if they're good, maybe by the end they'll be favored by 25 or something. But for the most part, they're not going to be 20-point favorites in these games. You win by 32, all of a sudden, your numbers start shooting up without actually beating a good team. And that's exactly what Colorado State did. Now, Colorado State played three good teams last year, and they beat all three of them. UNLV is going to play three good teams this year. They need to win two of those as well. You can't blow out the bad teams and then lose to San Francisco, Dayton, and Washington State. If you lose all three of those, especially if you lose by 10 or more, it negates any of the good data you basically put out there by beating or blowing out the bad teams. So that's sort of the key here. Two things. You have to win, and when you play the bad teams, win by a lot. The problem with this potential theory of mine is that it can very easily go the other way. If you're favored to beat Southern by 12 and you beat them by five, if you're favored to beat High Point by 15 and you beat them by eight, favored to beat Southern Miss by 18 and you beat them by nine, your metrics are going down. You're, you are now worse despite not having lost any of those teams. Your metrics are sinking, right? If you're 95th in Ken Palm and you're expected to beat Southern by 15 and you win by seven, you're probably dropping outside the top 100, right? So that is... The risk in it, if Kevin Kruger is in fact doing this, is that if they walk in and barely beat some of these teams, they're going to look worse, right? So there's a risk to it, but that is, to me, the potential game Kevin Kruger is playing with his schedule because Colorado State gave the blueprint last year. Wyoming, not as extreme as Colorado State, but Wyoming also had a similar run last year. And they, they went like 13 and right, up. Where they didn't play very many good teams, right. won pretty much all their games. And they shot up and made the NCAA tournament, obviously. So that's my theory. 
I if Kevin well, which Kru- one do you think it is? Do you think his team? Do you think he thinks his team stinks, or you think he's trying to game the system? Because I don't. I don't know. Because his team just lost a game in Canada, but the schedule was already set before that, right? Like, I don't think I don't think he believes his team's not good. I don't either. So I here's the thing: if we can, I he'll he, a coach won't admit it, right? I doubt Kevin Kruger will ever say, "Oh yeah, we're trying to." We, we found a loophole in the net rankings and we're trying to exploit right. it. But if we could somehow f- confirm that that is, in fact, what he's doing, I love Kevin Kruger. Like, because that's unbelievable. I would love that so much if that was their plan. If they were like, you know what? Well, Forget playing good teams. Let's just try to beat Incarnate Word by 100. Well, you're not going to ever know that. Right. But, man, if I can just get him just somehow get that confirmed. Like you have a wink. Right. He winks at you. Kevin Kruger's my favorite coach that's ever lived. Right, I, it, it, right now it's Todd Golden, the coach at San Francisco. Right, or no, he, he's now at Florida. He's, he's now Florida. Florida. Right, friend Love of the show. that guy. Friend like, of the show. That guy's my favorite coach that's ever lived because he's talking about expected points per possession in the middle of a game. Phenomenal. If Kevin Kruger's gaming the system by saying we're going to play some awful teams and try to win by thirty, love that guy because that's exactly the type of stuff that I would be trying to do. I'd be like, oh, so I can either play really good teams and risk losing. Or I can play Incarnate Word, and if we blow them out, we get rewarded for it? Life insurance doesn't count, do they? No, Pacific Life, uh, non-Division Pacific Life one insurance team. Insurance, non-division that, one here's team. the thing. It's a funny name. UNLV has pretty much always played a non-Division one team. They've done well, that most teams for do. years. Most teams right. do. Most That's teams do. not they, the bad part of the schedule. Right. It's just that there are no good parts of the schedule no, that We should say that. even the best teams in the Mountain West, like you just named a few, are going to play by games. Right, they are. They're like, going to play by games. It's going to happen. That it, the the issue is that normally UNLV you plays sprinkle in right, a few Duke, top 50 schools. Utah, Michigan, there's right. usually somebody on the schedule that balances out. Oh yeah, they're playing an the insurance word company. An insurance company. <laughs> but this year they don't really have that. I mean San Francisco, San Francisco, Dayton and Washington State will probably be top 50 quality opponents. They'll help but they're not. None of them are going to be have a chance to be top ten or top twenty, which normally UNLV plays a top at least one of those twenty team every season. That tends to be what they do because because again to go back to the original point on this whole thing from Friday, UNLV is one of the few schools in the Mountain West that can they can schedule yes really good. They can schedule maybe not whoever they want, but seventy five percent of whoever they want. I think them and San Diego State can pretty much get who they right. want. I mean Calipari might say no, but Outside of that, they can I mean, schools of, you know, we've seen them go to Kansas. Right. They can absolutely get these games. And I think if you're the Mountain West, you're extremely disappointed because even though it's not a big effect, it does have an effect to UNLV plays because your yes. opponent's schedule does impact your rankings in the future, right? And UNLV not scheduling these big time games, I think hurts the conference a little bit. And so even if he's gaming the system to get in, you're still probably looking at it saying, ah, Kevin, you're at UNLV. You're the one that's got to schedule the good teams. Let Colorado State and Wyoming game the system. You just actually be a good basketball team for once and get it. Oh, I forgot to mention one other key to Colorado State. They went 14 and four in the Mountain West. Something UNLV hasn't done in right. They no matter ever. what they did in the non-conference, they went in were one of the best right. teams in the league. So even if UNLV goes 11 and one or something, they blow out all these bad teams. Their metrics are really high to start conference play. If they win nine conference games, then none of it matters. They're not going to the NCAA tournament, no matter how bad Kevin Kruger game, the system, it's just not going to happen. All right. Coming up next, Miles Simmons joins the show. They will never get to championship football without a sophisticated passing game. 
That's not anything to do with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a complete player that is being not trained in being a sophisticated passer. They doubled down again back to all the great things that Lamar does. Great. But until he gets the chance to show that he is a sophisticated passer of the football in a sophisticated passing game that is properly you know, invested in, which we never have, which they never have done to Robert's point just a minute ago. They don't invest in it. They don't teach it. And now you ask them, why isn't he getting paid to be Patrick Mahomes? Because they haven't given him a chance to be Patrick Mahomes. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from Pro Football Talk is Miles Simmons. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. All right, Miles, how much of Dana White's story do you believe? most of it i mean you know i that the whole thing sounds correct to me and i mean look gronkowski was on the little stream and he confirmed it so i mean i don't i don't see it as not credible i I was there in 2020 when these rumors were starting in that brief period where i actually did live in las vegas when i was covering the raiders but yeah no i i mean it was it was a thing that was rumored about and you know it was like oh well could Tom Brady actually come here and do this? And, you know, what will it look like? And so, yeah, I, I totally believe it based on, you know, the things that I remember from the time. And I don't see why there's any reason to not believe it. Was this just as simple as John Gruden's ego saying, I can make Derek Carr uh, much, much better and a top quarterback? And I saw Brady the last few years, and I just don't like what I saw. Well, I think it's, it's probably a combination of both. It's probably like, look, Brady is, you know, approaching his mid-40s, and we've never seen a guy continue to be that elite um, for a long period of time. So, is you know, people can say, like, oh, yeah, of course uh, Tom Brady goes down to Tampa Bay and he wins the Super Bowl in 2020, but I, I feel like a lot of that is hindsight because you got to remember the last time we saw Tom Brady you know, they were, A, losing to the Dolphins, the lowly Dolphins back in 2019, and he looked terrible in that Week 17 game. And then he also looked terrible um, uh, against uh, the, the Titans. The Titans beat them in the playoffs in that first um, wildcard weekend. So I just don't really think it's – I don't it's not much of a stretch for me to be like, oh, yeah, like people weren't really believing in Tom Brady. When Tom Brady signed with the Buccaneers, I thought that they were going to go seven and nine. So, <laughs> so much I know, but like I just I didn't think that Tom Brady was going to be that much of a difference maker at his age. Uh, is it fair to say John Gruden is the most important person in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history, given that he has now given them two Super Bowls? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I think that that is very fair. Even though they uh, have now since removed John Gruden's name from uh, the Ring of Honor, uh, and the. Should be the most hated person by the Raiders, given that both of those Super Bowls have now come at the expense <laughs> of the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, but then, I mean, look, depending on how they do this year, you know, maybe you can thank John Gruden again for getting uh, himself fired or having to resign, whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> have you, you can't tell anything on 3-0 and because it's all second stringers, but you know who they have who haven't played yet. Are you going to be surprised if they don't contend for the AFC West, or do you think the league's just too difficult? They should contend for the AFC West. Look, I think that between the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Raiders, the three of those teams should be in contention for the AFC West, you know, based on the way things have gone. I I don't think the Broncos are going to be as good as some people think just because 
Russell Wilson shows up. I, like, I don't – maybe it's just my personal bias. I don't know. But, like, I just – I think that because that division is so competitive, I don't see it as just some given that Russell Wilson is going to be able to go in there and let Russ cook, and it's going to be this, and it's going to be that, and it's going to be wonderful, and sunshine and daisy. That entire, uh, that entire team is learning a new offensive system. Uh, it's going to take a little time for those things to work out. And because of that, um, when you're looking at the way the rest of the division is so competitive, uh, I just I feel like they might leave the Broncos a little bit behind. Broncos could have a great end of the season, but if you're already you know, starting from behind the eight ball where you've got teams like the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, I don't know how you're going to be able to compete. All right. So hold on. What you've now told us, I think here in back-to-back answers is you thought the Buccaneers were going seven and nine because Tom Brady wasn't going to be a difference maker. And now you're doing the same thing with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I, I guess I am. I guess I am. But like there's a difference in the, you know, Nathaniel Hackett is coming in. He's the new head coach, right? The, the, The Bucks already had their offensive and defensive systems implemented with Bruce Arians. And I don't think Russell Wilson is nearly as good as Tom Brady. And I, I don't know. I, it, every time I hear Russell Wilson, I just I cringe, man. And like I know we can say that about a lot of different people, but it's just uh, I just I don't know. I just don't like it. All right, we brought you on with some audio of Steve Young um, criticizing the Ravens for not building the right team or scheming up the right plays to win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. He has not been paid. He's going into the final year of his rookie deal. What do you think happens there? Does he get an extension before this season starts from the Ravens? You know, I, I hope so for his sake. I mean, in terms of, like, player empowerment, I, I tend to think that this should have been done last year. And it's because you had Josh Allen sign a deal that was worth over $150 million guaranteed. And to me, if you see that and you're Lamar Jackson, and I know you're, you're operating with that in Asia, if you see that in the select, okay, well, he got that. I have an MVP award. He doesn't give me more, and let's just take care of this. And you guarantee yourself nine figures the moment you can guarantee yourself nine figures. That's the way I would do it. It's not the way he's done it. Fine. Um, and he seems to be comfortable going into this season without a deal, which to me is a little bit ludicrous. But, again, that's the way he's doing things, and I respect it. So. Yeah. I think the Raiders absolutely want to give him a deal, but will they actually be able to strike one? I don't know because this thing is totally unpredictable based on the way Lamar Jackson has gone through it. If some reports are right and he's holding back because it's not fully guaranteed, if you're the Ravens, we know what Cleveland did uh, with a guy who's not even going to play for a while, but would you guarantee Lamar Jackson's contract? (sighs) I probably would because it's just the cost of doing business, right? It's the quarterback. You can't do anything without the QB. And they, whether or not they've done enough to construct the proper offense you know, so that they can go in and win playoff games, that guy is the center of their franchise. And when you have gone out and you have you know, you drafted him, you replaced Joe Flacco with him, and he's already won you an MVP award, he's, gotten, he's made you competitive pretty much every single year. I mean, you can say the exception of last year, but A, he was hurt, and B, that entire team was basically hurt. I think it's worth it to do it. It might be one of those things where it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, but it's the cost of doing business when you're talking about quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, how many touchdowns does Baker Mayfield throw for in week one? Uh, three. 
And they win? Eh. No, because he's oh. going to throw four picks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a fun game. Three touchdowns, four picks? I'm all, I'm all on yeah. board. No, well, I mean, look, Baker Mayfield is going to be extremely fired up, but we know that he's an emotional player, and sometimes that if you don't channel that in the right way, then it's going to become a negative. I think what might help him is that they've got weeks now to prepare for the Browns with him as the starter, and he can get that into his mentality so that once the game comes, he can be less emotional about it than he might otherwise be. And, you know, and if because if it's week two, right, and you spend all this time going into the season, and it's week one, and then you have to go and you play the team that got rid of you for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think that would make things a little bit more emotional because you only have one week to prepare. Because he's got more time, I think he'll be better off. Well, he is Miles Simmons. Again, follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. Uh, by the way, I agree with you about the Broncos, but your uh, Tom Brady take and now your Russell Wilson take has me a little worried that I'm wrong as well. You know, it has me a little worried, too. I hadn't made that connection yet. <laughs> Thanks, Miles. We appreciate Thanks, Miles. it. Thanks, <laughs> Miles. All right, take care, guys. Yeah, I, I do think the Broncos finished last in the division, but him being like, yeah, I thought the Bucks were going 7-9 and nine with Brady. I think the Broncos are going to be bad just because they got Russell Wilson. It's like the same thing, back-to-back. So, don't do it. Do you agree with me on the, on the Broncos? I do agree with you on the okay. Broncos. I think the Raiders are finished third. We've already talked about this, right? We, we have. Where, where we're picking we got, them? We got like three more weeks to come up with, to come uh, up with our a different AFC West I, order of finish. I'm pretty sure I have the Raiders somehow winning like 11 games. No, None of them. How did you get no, to no, 11? No. Hold Wait. on. None of them in the division. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. He had them 0-6 in the AFC West, but 11 they're wins. They're beating everyone else? Yeah. yeah. They're not making it to the playoffs with 11 wins. <laughs> well, no, they'd probably get in if they win 11. Oh, yeah. I forgot they expanded it. I just remember that year in. that the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals all won 10 games, and yeah. the Cardinals were just like, yeah, really? No, no, if, they, if they win 11, they're probably in. It'll be hilarious if they lose every AFC 11 and game. 11 and 6, comma, 0 oh and 6. Yeah, <laughs> that's what their record will be. Didn't They had a season where they went 6-0 and oh in the AFC West and missed the playoffs. The Raiders did? Yeah, yeah. They won every division game but didn't win the division. Oh, they're not winning every division game yeah. this year. Jared's got them doing basically the opposite, <laughs> which you would take. You would take 11 the, wins is getting you a wild right. card. You would take zero. I mean, yes. it would suck to lose to every divisional that's, rival twice, but if you win all the other games... Okay. Yeah. Does anyone know off the top of their head what their record at home against the AFC West is? Because like at Allegiant or all time at home? No, no, at Allegiant. Like if they opened a new stadium and it's basically, well, the Chargers win more there more than the Raiders. Well, the Chiefs are undefeated here. Chargers they beat the Chargers lost here last year. Broncos they swept last year. Okay, so, so it's probably it's pr- the home of the Chiefs. Got yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 everywhere in the AFC West is the home of the Chiefs. So you know, all right, we got tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan coming up at the end of this month, August thirty first at Resorts World. We've got two tickets for you. Uh, tickets and VIP packages are on sale now at AXS.com, but you can win a pair from us right now. Luke Bryan, Resorts World, August 31st. We'll take caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. If you want to go see Luke Bryan, be caller 11 right now at 702-364-1100. Gardner with the pitch, and Albert swings, lifting a high fly ball. Left center field. That's it deep to the track, to the wall. It's a Gardner. Albert Pujols. It's a home run with one out in the second inning, number 691. 3-2 pitch to Albert, is hit hard and deep, left center field. Did he get another one? Yes, he did! 
Home run game for Albert Pujols. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Reed. He won a pair of tickets to go see Luke Bryan. Uh, Jared, we have more to give away tomorrow, correct? Absolutely. So, oh, I believe all week. Yeah, stay These tuned. are big time tickets, man. Throughout the week. These uh, are big time tickets. It's going to be faking his voice to get tickets to go see Luke Bryan. No, I, these are these are good ones. Let's be honest. These are good ones. All right. I have an important question for you. Oh, I have how, one for you. How is your recently adopted dog? This is why I'm going towards yes. you. Uh, still anxious. Really? Loves his family. Uh He's a great dog for the family. Great dog for the family. We love him to death. Oliver, uh, right? Uh, no, uh, Rory. Rory. Did Rory. you change his name? We had to because okay. there was an Oliver somewhere down the line in the family, and I wanted to. I, me, I wanted him to be named after Rory McIlroy. Anyway, <laughs> um, favorite golfer. Um, still anxious on walks when sees other people, especially other dogs. So going through his training right now. Uh, gonna get him. We got him some training. So hopefully. Uh, you know we can we can get the words down and the systems down to where when he sees other dogs he doesn't want to eat them. Uh, oh, so. he's like aggressive, not like yes. scared. No, he's okay. very aggressive with dogs. Oh. With people, it was with people, and now he seems to be okay with people. He's his family, us. He's he's great. Yeah, incredible with. I yeah. mean, beyond incredible. But you take him outside, and Rory uh, gets a little <laughs> he gets a little anxious. So yeah, still still anxious. Um, now, this is because uh, you took a trip this week. Yeah, I drove to Utah yesterday and adopted a dog. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I was, by the way, side note from the dog, we got back. We drove through Mesquite. Like, With the tornado? Hour, and, well, an hour after we get back, I'm like, tornado warning, Mesquite. Mesquite. Exactly. Like, exactly. What? <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, wasn't ideal. But no, we, we were well past Mesquite after whenever the hell that tornado warning was. But yeah, we... Uh, we adopted a nine-year-old bulldog. Oh, there you go. Um, there you yeah. go. He apparently had been whatever rescue in Utah had him. Right. They, they'd had him for nine months or something <sighs> like that. And so they'd had him for a while. I'm guessing because he's nine years old and people don't usually want right. to adopt a nine-year-old dog because, you know, getting up there. Um, also, that training, about 50-50 <laughs> on whether it works. Ah, we're not going to train him. We're yeah. Let him do whatever he's he nine. wants. Um, yeah, he was... He was phenomenal. Best dog in a car I've ever seen. Really? Just sat oh, there? He would get up and look out the window, not really make any noise, and then would sort of lay down and just sort of sleep. Those were his two things, oh, look out the window man. or sleep. I mean, if it's the bulldog type of bulldog that I'm thinking of, it's it's kind of built. Like, it's got a wide base. Yes, yeah. so it's got a very wide base. If you're hitting any bumps or curves, yes. it's sort of just stationary. Yes. Right, doesn't move very much. Its feet are as big as, you know, most dogs' legs. Yeah. Yes. He was... Um, Seemed a little apprehensive when we got home about like, you know, where am I? Who are How was people? he with the other dogs? Uh, so we have a 14-year-old Shih Tzu who doesn't like other dogs, but mostly just ignores other dogs. And they sniffed each other and then they basically ignored each other. <sighs> I think we're we're feeding them separately, which I think will eliminate most problems. Right. I'm a little worried at some point they'll like get into a fight over who's sitting where on the couch. Right. Because that's that was the one thing when we adopted this bulldog that uh, he can be like territorial over like the couch or something like that. Okay. And our Shih Tzu's the same way. So I'm pretty sure at some point we'll have a fight over the couch. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, he was a little nervous or something, but he yeah. passed out, slept fine and everything. I think it's going to be good. It's Man, good. good for okay. you guys. Good for you guys. I, I wish like anything, um, 
ours had the temperament of being okay around other dogs. It's hard walking. I mean, we walk him every yeah. night. He gets well, to walk every night. So we walked them last night, and this is the most stubborn dog on a walk I've ever seen. The dog is like trying to walk into the middle of the street because he's like, this is where I want to walk. And I'm like, you can't walk in the middle of the street. <laughs> and you try to pull him back and he just stops. Well, he's he's they're They're very, uh, let's say, difficult to right. move at points. And he just stops and doesn't move anymore. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're going to tell me where to go. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So I've been dog sitting since last Thursday. And Ooh. I think I've told you about my parents' dog, who is a rescue and also 160 yes. pounds. Yes, you have. And so, similar to he walks where he wants, except he you walks. You can't go pick him up and yes, carry him. Yes, you can't go pick want. him up no. and carry him, but he also is pulling so hard that about 10 minutes into the walk, all of a sudden he's going, <gasps> yeah. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And you're and going, done. you did this to yourself. <laughs> Pro tip get a harness. We we did. Uh, he, he does not like the harness, yeah, and yeah, I'm harness. not fight. <laughs> There's no wrestling match. Yeah. We have to have the harness until he starts getting along. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean he's he's we gotta have the harness till he starts getting along. Like I said, at first it was people and other dogs. Now it's just other dogs. People he's fine with now. He just walks right by. But other dogs, he's uh. There's some growling going on. I don't know. Will he calm down around other dogs? I feel like you're like. Uh, you can go through some intense training to get that. Well, we're out. not. We're not. I mean, it's right. it's very no. Uh, she's a, she seems like a great trainer. We've already seen some differences in other places, right? Just by exercise she gave us and things to do with him. It's just she has to be with us. She wasn't with us the first time. It was just like a meet and greet at the house. But she's gonna have to be with us when he sees other dogs. Yeah, because we're just not sure yet how to handle that. Because like our fourteen year old Shih Tzu wants to fight every dog she's ever seen in her life outside right. of the house. Right, if you're walking and there's another dog somewhere, she wants to attack it, but she's 12 pounds, so you just, you know, you just move her along. Right, you just say, "Come right. on, we're going." Yeah. Obviously, a bigger dog is a little harder, yeah. but like I, I feel like that might not ever actually. Our get bulldogs are, are my bulldog is I don't know what yours is 33 pounds. Oh, he's a small bull, so he's got to be a mix of some sort. He weighs like 25, okay. 20 pounds. He's a very small English bulldog. Okay, and English bulldogs are normally like fifty pounds. Right, exactly. French bulldogs are usually the smaller version of yes. them. but yeah, he's got to he's got to be a mix of something because he's only like 25, 28 pounds or something like that. But yeah, excited. Drove to Utah. It's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Initially, we were gonna drive to Salt Lake City, Ooh. there and back in one day, which would have been you know. A 12, well, where was this? Hour day. We they met us in Beaver, Utah, which was a three and a half hour drive for okay. us. So made that significantly easier on the entire process. Yeah, Salt Lake City's a five at least, right? Yeah, at least five. Oh, I, think I it's avoid six or seven. Yeah, I avoid Is Utah it? like the death. Yeah. So well, so we've been trying to adopt a dog for a little while now, and my girlfriend loves bulldogs, so that's like all she's been right. looking for. She found someone on Craigslist. And this person, I would not say was um, rehoming. They were selling the dog, basically. But it's like a three-year-old bulldog was really cute and all that. And we just wanted, like, vet records from him. Like, can you give us vet records so we can give it to our vet? And so we can tell, oh, he is healthy like you're saying they are. This was like a two-week process. Just to get the records? Just, like, was impossible. Were there any records? We finally got him, and the dog hadn't been to the vet in, like, two years. Okay. But we were like, okay, we'll still do it. Like, that's fine. And we had agreed to. This person was asking fifteen hundred for the dog. Jesus. We 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 were like we can do five hundred. They're like, how about we agreed on seven fifty? And we finally got the vet records, and we were like, okay, we'll meet you, and we'll we'll make sure we like the dog, and we'll take it. 
And the person responded, well, somebody else is now offering me more money. So oh, if they want the dog, uh, uh, they're going to get the dog. A few days later, that person was like, well, they never got the dog. So do you want them? And we were like, well, we already have plans to go pick up this other dog. Right. So no, good right. luck selling the dog. But yes. It's great to adopt. <laughs> I mean, I'm also a firm believer in the, you drive around long enough, you find a dog. And the one the one we got uh, was actually dumped on a road and then taken to the shelter. Yeah. Did I tell you about the one dog my mom has adopted? No. She has this dog that was just running around the woods, basically, and they took them like a week to catch it. They finally had to use a net, like animal control, and my mom ended up taking it. And she was like, this dog was like bone thin, probably hadn't eaten in a long time. Dog's now fat at my mom's place. Yes. <laughs> but the dog's horrified of people. Like, he'll come up close to you, but as soon as you look at him, he runs away. Up. And I feel sad because he looks sweet. I want to pet him.